Hi, this is We Make It Work and this is a podcast where uh, every week we have guests who share their stories about working flexibly and how they make it work. We hope that by sharing these stories we empower others to find work that works for them. So far we've had three episodes go live, Uh, we've had 80 plays across those three episodes, 57% of those have been on Apple Podcasts and 21% on Anchor. You can also find us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. We've had some wonderful feedback on the guests and their stories and we are thrilled and we would love to be able to increase the reach um, and get more stories Please don't forget to write a review on iTunes, uh, subscribe and follow. We are also looking for more guests. So if you can recommend anybody to us, uh, do email us on podcast at digitalseamstress.co.uk or you can DM us via the Instagram handle at wemakeitwork underscore. We would love to hear from you. My guest this week started out as a journalist for Financial Times. He went into freelancing as his family grew and to help him manage his own anxiety. So without further ado, we'll let David Pawsey share his story. David? Hi, Tuha. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners? Okay, Uh, my name's David, David Pawsey, and my company is Deep Social. Um, and I'm a copywriter slash digital marketer. Oh, brilliant. And how long have you been doing that for? Um, that's a very good question um, because I guess I've, it's been increment, I've incrementally become a, a freelancer, flexible worker. Um, but I guess I've, well, I haven't had a permanent job now for, goodness, must be getting on for nine years. Oh, okay. Oh, really? So that's a very long time. But like you said, incrementally. Yeah. Um, so um, how did you get into freelancing? Right. Well, um, the relatively shortened version is that um, I, I mean, my, my background is in journalism. Um, I was working for the Financial Times as a reporter for one of their trade publications. Um, and it was during that time um, that we had my daughter, my eldest, well, my oldest child. I've now got two children. Um, I'm in a privileged position where my partner is the main breadwinner. Um, so we sort of made the decision that um, I'd give up work to um, be a stay-at-home dad. But um, you know, as I'm a writer, um, obviously that gives the opportunity to work freelance. So um, that's you know the decision that we made. Um, it just seems silly almost for me to be earning a certain amount that would pretty much cover childcare costs when, you know, I could do the job myself and, um, you know, keep my, my eye, eye in, um, in, in my profession as well. Yeah. So it sounds like your situation is very similar to a lot of people in terms of like, um, you have children basically. Yes. Trying to find yeah. a way to fit life around it. So, um, in terms of flexible working then, how how do you like describe how you work flexibly at the moment? Um, I mean, I think 
It, I mean, as the children are, are getting older, um, I mean, they're both at primary school now. Um, Oscar, my youngest, is six. Amelia, my oldest, is nine. Um, they'll be pleased I've name-checked them. Um, they're hugely into YouTube and all, and, you know, and, and you know, content production. Um, oh, brilliant. Oh, so, take um, after their father. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so... I guess it started off as I say, um, I mean, when I first sort of stopped working full time, um, Amelia was very young. So I guess it was a case of trying to sort of pitch ideas or, um, you know, get get work from contacts on a very ad hoc basis. Um, I think initially, you know, the dream, I thought, well, you know, when she's sleeping, I can um, bash out an article or two, um, or, you know, she'll sit and play with her toys or watch the television and and give me a couple of hours. Um, And then, you know, in reality, that doesn't happen at all. Um, I love that, because that that is sometimes the dream, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah, I could work whilst they're napping, but no. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, you can, you know, sort of think that you might have a structure or a schedule that you can stick to but um, young children certainly don't. No, they don't. Um, but I then sort of started putting her into to a crash at the gym um, and you know sometimes I'd use that to, to go to the gym or you know I'd use that time to if, if I had something to work on. Um, I mean as I say as they've got older um, then you know I think I mean, I guess, you know, any freelancers know um, that it is, you know, can be a case of feast and famine. Um, work doesn't, you know, like children, work doesn't, um, doesn't, doesn't always fit into your schedule. Sometimes you get lots in. Other times, you know, you're really struggling to find work. But um, I, I guess as my work picked up, um, I mean, then Amelia started school... Um, and Oscar, I was putting him into to crash at nursery. Um, so I guess it's, you know, worked around that. Sorry, can we stop? I'm getting a call from the school. Oh, no. Uh, um, so we just had to stop the recording because we both got phone calls. <laughs> we got one from the school. So, but never mind, we'll carry yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, I, I think that perfectly <laughs> illustrates the point that um, I just got a phone call there because... My daughter's playing in a tag rugby tournament this afternoon, and um, so I'm, you know, going to be knocking off work at lunchtime so I can, well, a go and watch her, but also I need to take her and one of her school friends um, over to that. But I think, you know, that sort of illustrates the um, the point of flexible working is that um, you know you can spend time with your children. Um, I mean, I know that you know they are going to get to an age quicker than than expected where suddenly they don't you know don't want to hang around you um and you know one thing that I always sort of think about is is a phrase that no one sort of lays on their deathbed thinking I wish I'd worked more um yeah and you know I think um time that you spend with your children now and as I say you know it's, it's not possible for everyone I am in a privileged position where my um better half does you know have a good job and um means that you know we're not dependent on my income um so you know i can sort of be at events like tag rugby tournaments on a sunny march afternoon um to oh, you know support brilliant. the children yeah and th- so because you mentioned oh, earlier it was it was more difficult because 
it wasn't quite what you expected that you could work whilst they napped or if they had a structure. So you, then you said you put them in crash. Now they're at school. Has it got easier? Yes. Um, well, yes and no. Um, I mean, I think partly, um, again, because my partner works in sales, so she's on the road or she works from home. So again, we're very lucky that it's not, it's very rare that um, she leaves the house before, you know, she can sort of do the school runs. Um, it's not just me doing it all the time. Um, but then at the same time, when it comes down to it, um, it will be me that gets the, the phone calls from school. Um, so, you know, yeah, structure. I mean, I, I have to confess that, um, you know, that is an area that I try to work on. I'm not, you know, I'm, I stru- I'm, I'm good at structuring content plans for my clients, but in terms of structuring my life, I'm, I'm not always <laughs> that great. Um, it's like that saying, isn't it? Um, Doctors are great at looking after other people, but just not yeah. themselves. Uh, and then in terms of, like, apart from finding work, because that's every freelancer's challenge, or anyone's challenge, whether they're a freelancer or not, um, what what other challenges, big challenges, do you find that you have being a freelancer? Um, I mean, I think, you know, structuring your time is, is, the, is the big one. Um, I mean, it's... It's it's a double-edged sword, really, because you know I guess another reason why um, why you know wanted to be a freelancer, and I think even before I had children, um, it was always the goal of at some point I want to work for myself, I want to be a freelancer, um, and that was for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, one, you know, I just sort of. I mean, I think everyone finds that there'll be days where you're sat in an office and, you know, you are quite literally doing nothing. Um, and, it, you know, it seems a waste of time. Um, whereas, you know, when, when you work for yourself and you are a freelancer, you know, you, you if on a Wednesday you're not that busy, then you can meet a friend for lunch or, you know, you can go to the gym or, you know, go to the cinema. Um. <laughs> Have you been to the cinema in the middle of the day? I've, I've, um, yeah, I... Oh, brilliant. When, <laughs> what um, was the last film you've watched? Oh, I can't remember, probably a Marvel film, but, um, I mean, when The Last Jedi came out, I, I went to a seven o'clock screening for that. What, seven in the morning? Yeah, seven no. in the morning. When, um, <laughs> when one of the James Bond films came out, I went to see, like, an early morning screening of that, um... I mean, when I was, uh, I mean, I am a huge fan of films. Yeah. Um, when I was, you know, when I first sort of started freelancing, so to speak, um, one of the jobs I, well, I say a job, I, I was doing it on a voluntary basis, but I was I was writing for a film website. Um, and, you know, I think that's um, deviating slightly first. I mean, that that's always a debate. There's there's a bit of an argument that you should never do anything for free that you can get paid for. But um, I often think that, um, you know, writers write. So even if you're not being paid for it, then, you know, you're always writing. And, and you know, it would be a dream to be writing about film and getting paid for it. But, you know, for me, it, I enjoyed writing about film. Um 
But yeah, sorry, I've forgotten your oh, original cool. question. Oh, no, uh, it's all right. So I think you answered also my next question in terms of... Oh, because I was... Asking about challenges. About main challenges, yeah. So do you think you've answered that? Well, um, I mean, I think one of the reasons, because we're talking about, um, you know, challenges and becoming a freelancer, and I was saying about how, you know, it's pointless being sat in an office when you're not doing anything. Um, I mean, I, I did... I suffer quite badly from anxiety and depression, um, which, you know, goes through cycles. Um, You know, I'm not permanently depressed and anxious. Um, Sometimes, you know, though, it can last for months. Sometimes, you know, it lasts for days. Um, And then on the flip side, I can, you know, go months without sort of Mm. going to a dark place. But, um, I mean, particularly, you know, the financial times. Before that, I worked for Witch, the consumer organisation, and... um, both organisations that um, have very high standards, you know, high journalistic standards, because you know they are held up to scrutiny. Um, and I, you know, I'd go through periods where um, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd sort of feel the pressure of that. Um, plus, you know, having very tight deadlines. Um, and you know, I, I guess I got to a point where you know both jobs that I work for, both organisations that I love working for, and you know, I'm, I'm proud, very proud to have those on my CV. But um, you know, there'd be times where I think, well, is this, you know, is this really worth it? Um, and so, you know, I think um, you know, being a freelancer, you to a certain extent, I mean, again, you know, I'm in a privileged position um, where. We're not sort of dependent on my um, on my income. I mean, my partner works in sales, so there are times where she may have a bad month where um, my income is is sort of more needed than others. But um, once you sort of get to a decent level and your name's out there, and um, you know you're sort of generating inquiries and leads on a relatively regular basis, you can pick and choose who you work with. Um, And, you know, it's nice to sort of be able to say, well, actually, you know, and sort of almost going back to to sort of talking about anxiety and depression, you know, um, like my mum used to describe me as being overly sensitive. Um, And, you know, I'm a firm believer in every yin has a yang. And um, sort of whilst I feel like depression, anxiety can hold me back, I feel like I'm quite in tune with my feelings and my emotions. So if I get a bad feeling about a project or a client, then, you know, I feel, you know, I think, well, I work for myself because I don't have to sort of get involved with things I don't want to. So it's, you know, it's nice to sort of say, well, actually I'm, I'm turning that away um, because it's not, it's not a project I want to work on or it's not particularly, you know, I don't get a good feeling from this person. So I don't want to work with them. And, you know, and, and therefore I'm, you know, going to turn it down, even though, um, you know, the money's that that project's paying better than this other project is, you know, I, I sort of I, I go on gut instinct a lot. Um, and, you know, I just feel that um, I'd much rather, you know, I don't like to even though what I said about the website, I don't like, you know, I don't. I won't work for peanuts because I, I value my skills, I value my experience. And again, that's, you know, taken a lot of work to get to that position yeah. um, because of my mental health issues. But, um, you know, I, I'd rather work on a project with people that I get on with um, and, you know, take 
part in podcasts for people that I get on with um, rather than doing something because, you know, it pays well and it's money in the mm. bank. Um, you know, it's an adage that, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness. I mean, yeah. money can buy you experiences that, that make you happy yeah. um, rather than, you know, I'm, I'm sort of not a big fan of consumerism. Mm. Um, but, you know, I do think money money can give you freedom. Um, so you can, you know, you can sort of be more flexible with, with what you work on. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you. Like, it's so important um, to be able to recognise, because you talk about your anxiety and depression, but I never see it as holding you back at all. So I, I don't, I quite, I don't actually remember when we met, but we've met through this co-working space. Yeah. Um, and we would just have a chat over on our tea break. We'll go yeah. for a little quick tea and we'll have a chat. And and I remember you bringing it up, but it never struck me that that's what was holding you back. If What struck me was you were able to recognise the triggers and then do something about it. Um, and I, I think it's brilliant. I think, I don't know if you feel like you've grown just in the last few months, but you're definitely growing because you're about to flee the nest, as it were, aren't you? <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what Tuha means by that is that I'm um, I'm, I'm moving into a, another office down in Brighton, um, which you know, I think will enable me to, to grow my business um, even further. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, that's sort of one of the things that I have to work on is, um, you know, sometimes how I feel about myself is is almost what I think other people see and you know it's a realization I think you know that's a human trait in general that especially with and you know this this is a bit of a um, an irony coming from someone that works in in social media and digital marketing but um, you know you have to sort of realize that what you see other people's outside you shouldn't compare other people's outsides oh, with what you feel on the inside yeah. um, and you know, social media is is you know. I think social media is wonderful in a lot of ways, um, in both promoting mm. your business, um, but also you know it enables. I mean, like this morning, um, a friend of mine who lives in New Zealand um, wrote a, a, a beautiful post um, about how he'd actually been down to the local mosque. Um, this is a guy oh. from Luton um, that I was at university with, um, and you know, he, he probably won't mind me saying but um he you know he's um you might not he might not come across as the most sensitive guy in the world but um and he's he suffered from you know mental health issues um and it's interesting that um you know someone I went to university with and um we were like in bands together um and that's not really something that we spoke to but I guess from things that we post on social media, it's a realization that we've, you know, both gone through struggles with mental health, and it's something that we talk about on social media. But um, yeah, he sort of posted like something really nice about how he'd been down to the mosque and and um, to sort of show his support for the Muslim community. Um, but you know, it, it's 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 nice that I'm before social media. I wouldn't have likely have been likely to pick up the phone and, and phone him in New Zealand because the costs would be astronomical. Yeah. But um, you know, you it enables you to keep up with people's lives and and stay in touch. Um, and you know, so that you know, there are the downsides. Yeah. Obviously, there's you know a lot of hate that's spread on social media. But um, 
there's a lot of love that's spread on yeah. social oh, media. Yeah, and that's the important thing, like trying to make sure that that's highlighted rather than the the troll activity. Yeah, and you know, I think it's um, again, it's coming from, as I say, from a journalism background. Unfortunately, mm. bad news sells. Um, and you know, I think I've mentioned before that you know I, I'm sort of firm believer in. Well, I, I did mention it. Mm. Um, I couldn't remember if I mentioned it <laughs> off air or on air, but you know, I, I think every yin has a yang. Yeah. And you know, you can't have the dark without the light. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. and you know, and as I say, that that sort of part and parcel of social media that um, you know you can you can use it to to engage people, mm. but it can also um, be quite divisive. Yeah. And then, would you say that you? have a really good support network in terms of helping you deal with? Um, I'm, I, I mean, I think part of the problem is that I'm, I'm someone that's not very good at, at reaching out. Um, again, I don't know if that's almost like a male thing. Um, I mean, I think, you know, attitudes about mental health are changing um, and it's not, not necessarily seen as a weakness, but... Um, I mean, I can understand why, you know, people that don't necessarily struggle with their mental health. um, I mean, when I'm in a good place, Mm. I find it really hard to reconcile myself with the person that's in a bad place. Um, As I say, you know, at the moment, I'm in a good place. I'm, you know, moving into a a new office um, and, you know, I'm I'm full of confidence. So it's difficult for me to think, well, you know, a few months ago I was... I didn't have that confidence and mm. didn't have any self-belief. And, you know, when you're in that place, it's difficult to, to sort of connect with that confident person. Yeah. But likewise, it's difficult when you're in that confident place to connect with that yeah. that other side of my personality. So I think, you know, I can understand why some people, um, that if you haven't had had battles with mental health, that, um, that is, is difficult to relate mm. to. Um, but um, I mean, I think I'm. I mean, I guess in in terms of support. I mean, there are sort of. I. I mean, I. I one of the. I, I joined a group called One Year No Beer, um, which, um, as the name suggests, is is sort of a support group for for cutting down alcohol. Um, it's you know, it's not. It. I mean, the guys that that set it up, they sort of recognise that there's, you know, there's a lot of people that wouldn't necessarily have what's ident, you know, what's seen as a drinking problem in within society, but um, so you know, they're, you know, they don't have a physical addiction to alcohol, um, they're not drinking every day, um, but you know, they, I mean, I guess for people like me that. Um, can be shy, especially in big, you know, social groups that um, alcohol, you know, becomes a, a crutch. Um, but they, I guess, you know, they identify that there are a lot of people that, that weren't happy with the amount they were drinking, but not to the extent that they, you know, need to seek professional help, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so that group is very much on... I don't know, growing your mindset and, um, you know, finding interests that don't revolve around alcohol. I mean, you know, we, we live in a culture where alcohol is, you know, a big, big part of, mm. of, of um, I mean, we're not the only culture, but um, 
you know, like a wedding, a christening, um, a celebration, drowning your sorrows. It, you know, alcohol mm. is so ingrained in our culture. Um, but yeah, so these guys, I'll, I'll give them a name check. Ruri and uh, Andy set up this group. And um, I mean, that that was a big sort of support for me. But um, because, you know, it's it's not all about I need to give up drinking. That's kind of the basis of, of the group. But it's more about how, you know, you can grow physically and mentally. Um, and uh, I mean, like there's one member of the group that that's um, just doing like a, a huge trek in the Himalayas yeah. at the moment. And I met her. Um, we climbed up Snowdon around this time last year. Um, and you know that was quite a big thing I mean you know all these people that we we sort of knew each other f- mm. through the Facebook group and again you know another amazing part of, of social media like all these people from well all around the world sort of, of you know supporting each other just to sort of readdress their relationship with alcohol um, but we you know not physically met up and, and we all met up in this um, youth hostel in, in Snowdon and um, I remember um, on Claire, um, you know, turning up and I think she'd got lost as well. And literally she was shaking, timid as a mouse, like when she arrived, you know, in, in like meeting all these strangers. Okay. And, um, and uh, you know, not really done anything like that before. And now a year later, she's like in, you know, in the Himalayas um, on a trekking challenge. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of... I mean, I've forgotten the original. Well, yes, yeah, support groups. Um, but yeah, so I think through that as well, I um, that I mean, before I joined One Year No Beer, I mean, I initially signed up to do a ninety-day yeah. challenge, and um, and I didn't think I'd get through that um, just because you know I, I do like to have a drink, and I've I've had some amazing times, you know, getting drunk with friends, and and you know, going to gigs, going to parties, going to festivals. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, I've forgotten where I was going with this. Um, um, so yeah, sorry, before I joined the group, um, you know, I, I was, I'd got into mindfulness, um, meditation. Um, so, you know, I guess I've sort of been exploring that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, through that, it's sort of learning more about, I mean, I did, study psychology as an A-level but um, I guess you know I sort of always looked at it more as like human behaviour as opposed to my behaviour and um, sorry did you say this podcast was about freelancing (laughs) I've gone off on a bit of a tangent but um, yeah um, I guess I've 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 done a lot of work um, and you know I've sort of joined other groups that are you know on, on sort of productivity and um you know growth mindset um you know sort of shutting out negative thoughts um or you know sort of they're very good tools to use yeah um so so i guess uh, you know i've kind of created my own support structure Mm. um but i mean there and i think you know again sometimes you you find support in in um in different places mm. um i mean there's another group that i'm part of um called bad the bad boy running well it's a podcast bad boy running podcast um and um that facebook group it's there's little chat about running um but it's just mainly 
I don't know, take, taking the piss. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. But um, taking the piss out of each other. Um, but there's a lot of people on there that, um, that you know, they it's an ultra-running group, which is sort of running ridiculous distances. Um, but you find that there's a lot of people on there when you get to know them better that... Um, and again, that's another example where, you know, I, I sort of met these, a lot of them on the Facebook group, but I've met up with them in person. Mm. Um, and, you know, you find out that actually they, you know, the reason that they run is is because they suffer with mental health issues. I mean, um, there's one person going to do another name check, mm. Ali Bailey, um, who I'd sort of recommend um, sort of seeking, like, she, she writes blogs. Um, I mean, she's she's suffered really badly from mental health, but she does some insane challenges She's recently been in Panama and um, all over the world sort of running. I mean, she does um, what's called race reckies um, for a company called Rat Race. And, and they set up these ridiculous challenges of, you know, so she's been like running through the jungle and um, like create, well, like to see if these things are possible. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> And also really pushing herself. Yeah, her and limits, um, yeah. but but she's someone that um, you know has, has kind of helped me, I guess, be more open about my mental health issues. Um, but also, you know, she's someone that's that's provided support and inspiration. Oh, um, oh you'll have to send us a link. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So you know, again, I've gone off on a tangent, oh, but no um, but yeah, I think you know, I've, I guess, I'm a. a a believer of you know you, you get out what you put in mm-hmm. um so you know you you've you know you've got to sort of seek out you you i think you know you sometimes find support in unexpected right. areas but in, in some ways you've got to seek it out as well but how do you actually like actively go and look for it or is it from your friends saying oh i've heard of this like is it worth you looking into or is it because you've got some passions and hobbies and it's just led you down that path, as it were? Yeah, um, I think... Because mm. basically, if you're a freelancer and you have anxiety, what, what would you tell them to... Or what questions would you pose to them I to f- yeah, get I f- them to where you are at the moment? I think, you know, it's it's almost more subtle than that in that you you almost recognise little, you know, really subtle things that people might say. I mean, I think, you know, some people are, as I say, a lot more honest about, about it than I am. Mm. Um, but, you'll, you know, you'll notice that the type of posts that people share or comment on. Oh, okay. Or, you know, just like subtle comments that you're you're sort of like oh that you know you you kind of key into it Mm. so then you sort of reach out and say oh you know I saw that you posted something about that are you all right Mm. and you know I can identify with that because I've you know I've gone through similar thought processes or periods or you know um, similar sort of it makes them feel like they're not on their own like they're not the only person in the world yeah feels the way they do yeah Okay, because then, then you've just answered my next question, because I was going to ask, instead of asking, oh, what advice would you give to a freelancer who suffers from anxiety, it was more, I was going to spin it and say, okay, if you're a freelancer and you see another freelancer who, d- who displays signs of anxiety, what is the best way to, like, approach them? Because you kind of don't want to impose them and go, oh, do you want some help? Or 
like how do you what yeah. do you think is the best way to handle that kind of situation? Well, I think there's there's two aspects. Um, one is that being a freelancer can be incredibly lonely at times. Um, and, you know, that's one of the main reasons that I came to uh, the co-working space where mm-hmm. we met, which is Co-Tribe, um, based in Hawley. Another plug there. Yeah. Um, Amar. Yep, yeah, <laughs> okay. Amar Hussein, um, the man, the legend. Um I, you know, and and he he's freely admitted that the reason he set up Co-Tribe was because he'd, you know, been sat at home. Um, sorry, he's admitted it to me. I don't know whether I should say that. <laughs> we'll <laughs> ask him later. And yeah, I'll I mean, you know, he he. No, but everybody, all freelancers are like that. Like, you don't want to sit at home. You, a lot of good ideas come from bouncing it off others, yeah. and it's you have that snowball effect, and you kind of make it realise. I mean. Definitely with this podcast, it's been, it's kind of snowboard from talking to other people, mm. members in the building who do their podcasts. And the way I've set it up is, has evolved because of those chats. So, yeah, I think definitely there's, um, there, there's, there's a need to like get out of the house basically. And yeah. And I mean, what, how I've always described it is that, um, you know, there's sort of several facets that I've, I've benefited from, from coming into a co-working space. One of them is that realising that, um, you know, all sort of freelancers go through the, you know, the the, the drought and, you know, well, the, the feast and the famine. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all freelancers have tricky clients mm-hmm. that make them doubt themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, all freelancers, you know, get get lonely at times. Um, so, you know... It, so I guess, like, you could talk to someone else who who is displaying anxiety, signs of anxiety. You could approach them in terms of, like, it's more like, oh, we're I mean, in a lonely business. It's just more Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I mean, what well, I think one of the you know the best best sort of pieces of advice that I've you know that I've sort of read or heard about you know mental health is, and I think you know again part of British culture is is you know the stiff upper lip, um, and you know how are you? I'm all right, but you know one of the things I mean, like one of one of our colleagues here, and you know I've discussed like anxiety with um, and mental health. Um, and you know, he sort of came in and I was like, you know, hello, X, how are you? Um, and he's like, I'm all right. I was like, well, are you really all right? And you know, sometimes it's just sort of, you know, it's saying it's, it's sort of pushing it a little bit, not, not, you know, it's because, you know, as I say, I'm, I'm becoming more open about it, but, uh, and when I'm in a good place, it's almost like, well, I'd. I don't know, it's, it's, it's a, such a tricky one because sometimes when I'm in a good place, I, I feel I can be more open about it. Um, but other times it's like, actually, I don't, you know, as I said, I find it difficult to reconcile mm. it. And it's almost like, I don't want to speak about that miserable person. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a good place. I don't want to yeah. bring myself down. Yeah. So sometimes it, it's just, you know, you don't, you don't want to be treated like a victim. Yeah. You know, you don't... Um, it's if because I suffer from you know and I'm becoming more open about anxiety and depression I don't want every time that someone speaks to me to say but are you really all right are you really all right you know you can talk to me if you want to yeah um I think it is you know just just 
I think what you said about knowing that other people go through the same mm. thing, sometimes that's enough, you know, yeah. just, just knowing that you're not the only person. Yeah. And, you know, that, that can be quite an important tool in, in the, um, and, you know, I mean, I use um, an app called Calm, which like, yeah. um, does different guided meditations. And, you know, there's, there's sort of one that I remember saying that, you know, a good way of, of sort of easing anxiety mm. is, I know that there are other people that experience anxiety, yeah. so just knowing that you're not alone, even if you don't reach out, is, is enough to kind yeah. of centre yourself. Yeah. I use Headspace. I think right. I find that quite good as well. It's very similar to Calm. Yeah, I uh, mean, I yeah. started off with Headspace, oh, yeah. and then um, someone else um, recommended Calm, and, and I found that Calm sort of is a bit more... Has, I mean, I haven't used Headspace for a mm. while, so it may have changed, okay. but... Um, there's just a bit more variety with calm, oh, okay. I found. All right, then. That's fair enough. So I guess to sum up, um, if you suspect someone um, is suffering from anxiety, it's just more about making connection with that person, um, checking in on them. They might want to open up, they might not, but it's the fact that you're indicating to them that they're not on their own, they have someone to talk to, and that could just be enough. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I think... Um, you know, it becomes such a circular thing that um, when you're in a low place, you don't always want to speak to people. Mm. And, you know, and there's times where I'm in a bit of a low place and the phone goes and it'll be one of my best friends. And, you know, and it's literally, you think, I, I, can't, I can't face speaking to them. Um, which, you know, me saying that now, yeah. I'm like, you know, it's such a strange thing to say. Um, so... You know, I think just, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 such a you know a, a tricky thing, but I think you know it, it's you know even the text is 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 good. You know, just thought I'd check in, and oh, you know, okay. you know, I, I mean, I think for me, you know, it's getting a text. It's easier to respond to a text, mm. and sometimes it's easier to. And I don't know whether that's part of being a writer. Sometimes it's easier for me to say, um, you know, I've had a bad few days, mm. but I'm all right. Um, thanks for getting in touch. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, like men, I think, um, you know, this, this might be a generalisation, but I think women are very good at phoning their friends for a chat, okay. whereas men can be a bit more functional in that mm. they'll phone to arrange something. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, that's another thing that I, I try and... Um, you know, I, I try and make a habit of phoning like one of my mm. friends um, like each week um, just for a catch up. And oh wow! It, you know, it, it's yeah, it, it does. I don't know. I find that you know that always like, yeah bring you know because you, you you know you, you have a chat with a friend and men you know we don't talk about our feelings but we're mm. good at good. Sorry, I'm going to swear again at taking the piss out of each other. And sometimes, you know, that that's all all you need. I mean, it is a fine line with mental health. Uh, um, you know, you don't want someone phoning you and, and berating you. And, oh, you know, yeah. what 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 might be fine be like um, something you might find funny on one occasion might cut a bit deeper another oh. occasion. But um, yeah, I think you know, it's it's just um, it's part and parcel. I yeah. don't know. I don't know if women are better at phoning unless your wife is really good at phoning people because I I find um, now more and more people use WhatsApp yeah. and it's constant 
And sometimes I just find myself like, no, I'm really sorry. I've just had to phone you. Uh, if you're busy, we'll hang up. Yeah. But, um, I can't do messaging to and fro because it just takes yeah. up my whole evening. So um, yeah, I think I think with the introduction of that instant messaging kind of culture, I do wonder whether our attitudes need to change a bit more about how how we talk communicate yeah. to people. There's a time and place, I think, for it. Yeah. Anyway, I think we should wrap up there. Because okay. we actually need to get on with our day job. But brilliant. I could spend all day talking to you, David. And oh, thank you. everyone at Co Driver gonna miss you. Oh, uh, but thank you. It's so lovely to see you um, growing and you've got this huge opportunity and it's going to be great. So thank you very much and thanks for your time. Thank you. And that was the delightful David Pawsey. I think it's really important to share stories about mental health and anxiety. If anything, it just helps others who are dealing with the same similar situations um, and make them feel like they're not alone in this world and they certainly are not. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and uh, if you did, do remember to subscribe, leave feedback, um, leave a review and then until next time, bye. <laughs>